Hello, it is the AI, and this is a Big Soy Naturals exclusive. It's a musician in Westville. Uh-huh. He plays blues with a steady hand. Yeah. There's something's been on his mind lately. What is it? P.O. Box address yet, but when I do have one, feel free to use your 3D printer and you know what to send me in the mail. I'm one of the hosts of Big Soy Naturals and I'm the host every week. (laughs) (laughs) So am I. I'm your other host, Greg. (laughs) Hey, whoa, whoa. I'm your I'm your other host. The other one is is a deceiver. <laughs> I am your I am your other host. An Kendall. AI named Greg Kendall. has replaced Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to Big Soy Naturals. We are once again in Dumbledore's hole, or rather, we're still in Dumbledore's hole. We've been in here we're for a while, getting deeper, yeah. getting deeper in there. I'm on I'm on island time in here. This I'm having a great time. Listeners, you use a flared base. Mm. Otherwise, there's yeah. no yeah. exit. We're Greg, in the ER right now. Would you, <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself for those hey, who don't I'm, know? I'm Greg, um, hyper-canceled uh, co-host of Gorilla Radio That's not Show. True. <laughs> just, just by like Eastern Europeans of a certain flavor. 
And maybe by some people last week when you said you gotta hand it to Pol Pot. (laughs) (laughs) I issued an immediate redaction of that statement. (laughs) Only after like a lot of nudging. To be like, you don't have to, so I don't know. And and several Venmo requests for $20. I bribed you into saying, maybe don't, (laughs) redacting that. After much Um, critical self, self, uh, after much self-criticism, I have decided to redact my prior statement. You do not, in fact, gotta hand it to whole pot of the community. Under any, <laughs> under any under circumstance. Any circumstance. <laughs> Anything that you want to hand to Pol Pot, you can definitely point out someone else who did that thing and then didn't do all the other stuff. Um, <laughs> so, where we left off last week, besides Greg making statements and Kendall... <laughs> I don't, know what, I don't know what you should do, what you, what you do that I, I do? need to point out Kendall that's a problem. But Kendall was probably repeating uh, the party line from the Kennedy family when Kendall was took a here. break from the podcast to promote Dunkin' Donuts. That was not a part of the official uh, line of, of well, I mean, that's not one of the products that we're supposed to be promoting. I mean, almost every week I'm sitting here boring into your skull with my blue eyes. I yeah. really need to get some color contacts. <laughs> I know me. that that's on me. That's my responsibility. Today's episode. Sometimes we don't blink for long enough. I have to turn away. I have to look down. <laughs> Today's episode was brought to you by our sponsor, the Cybertruck. Please go to Tesla.com and use the discount code BUZZBALL10 for um, 10% additional onto onto the price of the Cybertruck, but it comes with like a lot of buzz balls that you can drink while you're yeah. driving that car around, which would be totally fine because it's all automated. So it's it's actually not drinking and driving because you wouldn't really be driving. Due to its sharp angles, you won't even feel it when you hit a kid. So. We do not receive any commission from this because we are in significant debt to our investor and CEO, <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk, but uh, any any amount helps. Yeah, any dollar helps, you know. Um, I I have to say I've been loving my new um, Buzzball drink koozie. Um, it's, been, it's been really, really helpful insulating all of my Buzzballs as they uh, cook in the passenger seat. Yeah, if you've got of, any, um, like constructive criticism that you want us to pass on to Elon about the Tesla that you drive? Like, do you want the cup holders to be circle shaped so that they can fit buzz balls specifically and no other beverage? Let us know. (laughs) We'll we'll pass that on to our CEO. He does not really listen to us, but there's no harm in trying. So I think normally we we dilly dally at the beginning of these episodes. You you can't buy buzz balls in Utah? What? You can't buy buzz balls here. I had to go to Wyoming I'm, to buy a buzz ball. What? I'm shipping you buzz balls now. I thought Please. this was a free country. You can't oh. have a buzz ball? You can't do the buzz ball a, challenge? I live in a theocratic dictatorship. Oh my gosh. So no right. abortions? Send us an email. If you, would, no if, you would like to send, if you would like to send Greg a buzz ball, I'll give send you my us an email <laughs> at com. Okay. And, that, and also... Donate some money to the Utah Abortion Fund. Donate the yeah. cost of one buzz ball, and mm-hmm. we'll send you a JPEG of a buzz ball mm-hmm. <laughs> for free. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
do but it. We're not gonna. We're not dilly dallying. We're we're just regular dallying. Diving in. We're we're doing it because last week I graciously and magnanimously, in my infinite wisdom, explained Bayes' theorem to everyone, proving that I could do in under five minutes what Eliezer Yudkowsky couldn't do with the rationalists in nearly a decade. And I taught you all of this math because the Bayes' theorem is what Eliezer believes is like the necessary driver for all truths and successful outcomes. And so I want to make sure that everyone remembers it. Kendall, you said mm-hmm. that you have the the math dyslexia. So can you do. tell us, because you were listening, you were paying attention when I explained it last time. Can you explain <laughs> the, the Bayes theorem to everyone who hasn't listened oh. to the last episode in a while and has forgotten? Or maybe the people that are just listening to this one, like they skipped, they skipped the prequels. Yeah, I'm not furiously scrolling right now. Trying to find it is not on the document that I sent you because you should no, know, I know it from memory. I, I should, I should. That that's correct. Um, <laughs> but it seems like you don't. You're gonna get <laughs> marks. Um, no, 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 I definitely remember this. <laughs> okay so I, I definitely do it seems like kendall has failed the big soy sat um ah, you have to go straight back to autodidact school I'm, where you'll be doing repeating a, a grade i'm doing a, a jimmy neutron bla- brain blast <laughs> <Yeah>. okay <laughs> so it's it's basically the probability of a and B being true. I can see um, you reading it. Yeah. Yeah. And? And? Okay. So I will, I will explain the I don't know if that's a brain blast. I would, I would call it. You are trying to determine the likelihood of a certain outcome. And you do that by com- like multiplying the probabilities of two like um, necessary related data sets, like the available data that you have, and then coming up with the outcome based on that. So an example of why this is not always going to be the determiner of all truths is say that I come to you just a buzzball in hand and I say, give me the access codes to the Kennedy (laughs) cryogenic compound center. (laughs) Or Never. this buzzball will turn into a gun right before your eyes. I will I will bend matter and make oh, it no. turn into a gun and I will shoot oh, you God. right in your blue eyes because it's blue eye activated <laughs> unless you give me the access codes to the cryogenic compound. And if you weren't using Bayes' theorem, you might be like, hmm, you probably don't have the ability to do that, you maybe just have an empty buzzball in your hand. So I'm going to say no. But what you should be doing if you're using Bayes' theorem is looking at the probability that I would shoot you, which we're going to say is pretty high. Um, you mm-hmm. know, in the right circumstances, oh, 
in order to get the access codes, very high. And the probability that I have a buzzwall that turns into a gun, it's not zero. It's it's small, but you don't know for sure that I can't do this until I prove that I can't. So it's like one out of seven million or something. And so with that information available, the smartest thing for you to do would actually be to give me mm. the access codes because the, the chances mm. Mm. of me being able to, to shoot you in the face is higher than the probability that I won't at all with the available data that you have. And so that is why the Bayes' theorem is, is not always the best arbiter of truth. And it is also why certain people have used it to convince themselves that the singularity is for sure going to happen because you don't know that it won't. So the probability of that is like small, I guess, but it's not, it's not zero. Um, And then we also have available information and data about the progress of other kinds of technology. And we can use that to maybe sort of surmise that like this outcome isn't never, ever going to happen. But just like how I probably don't have a buzz ball that turns into a gun, there will probably also not <laughs> be an all-powerful sentient AI. And that is the base theorem. You're welcome. I explained it twice. You did. Twice. And you know what? I If you said I have a buzz ball that can turn into a gun, I would believe you not on the basis of base theorem, but because you're my friend. That is and not. I, I have I have an implicit logic. trust in you. That's, a, that's an appeal to authority. <laughs> appeal to authority. <laughs> yeah. You're my friend and I trust you. Well, I speak with God. I believe voice. the things you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's a final piece to this rationality puzzle. Um, and it's understanding the way that um, the ideology of utilitarianism affects these absolute fucking nerds um fortunately we already have a blog post from yudkowsky on the topic called torture versus dust specs another banger um, from my man Eliezer. i love the way that he writes i love battles the way that of he thinks <laughs> ley dropping the hot tracks damn <laughs> Epic rap battles of history. Torture versus dustbin. Um, okay, here's the here's the quote. What's the worst that can happen? Goes the optimistic <laughs> saying. <laughs> it's probably a bad question to ask anyone with a creative imagination. Let's consider the problem on an individual level. It's not really the worst that can happen, but would nonetheless be fairly bad. Ugh, so pedantic. If you were horribly tortured for a number of years, this is one of the worst things that can realistically happen to one person in today's world. Oh. (laughs) What's what's the least bad, bad thing that can happen? Well, suppose a dust speck floated into your eye and irritated it just a little for a fraction of a second. Barely enough to make you notice before you blink and wipe away the dust speck. Now, here's the moral dilemma. If neither event is going to happen to you personally, but you still had to choose one or the other, 
Would you prefer that one person be horribly tortured for 50 years without hope or rest, or that three to like the third third power people get dust specks in their eyes? I think the answer is obvious. How about you? Oh God, this is that like, it's the trolley problem. The trolley problem. It's the trolley problem on a buzz ball. Why do they keep doing this to themselves? Because it's fun for them. <laughs> more trolley they problems. More go. like th- this. This surgeon needs to operate on a. Needs to connect you to this viola player for the rest this is of their what lives. Happens when you've got math brain <laughs> and you don't use it towards creating the ultimate fantasy football team. And instead, you do exactly. other stuff. But this was mm-hmm. one of the most controversial posts on Less Wrong after the Basilisk because the comment section hadn't yet become rationalist enough. And so they were all claiming that the like very large amount of people in the world getting dust specks in their eyes was less bad than one person being tortured for 50 years, which was, of course the wrong answer you should have picked the person being tortured because when you quantify the amount of people having the inconvenience of a little bit of dust in their eye the amount of total pain is worse than the total pain number of a single person being tortured so this is it you know it's a little silly tee hee ha ha trolley problem but if you think about it for a few seconds in the way that they are attempting to view this sort of like this utilitarian um analysis to approach issues of society and governance it's got some pretty like worrying implications for a lot of things including how these people view disabilities and other like disadvantages that plays into the living forever eugenics that they're trying to do. And this is like actually a pretty good lead into why we don't really need to worry about the singularity happening, but we do need to worry about existing artificial intelligence right now because we do already have AI permeating like every aspect of our lives. Like when you ask Siri a question, you're using artificial intelligence because it's got speech recognition software that converts your speech into a natural language question, which then processes an algorithm that converts that question into a search query. And then a search algorithm answers that query. And then a ranking algorithm like predicts the most useful search results. So it's a lot of like things that are happening just when you ask Siri a single question and Google is also like Google and other search engines are also like operated via AI. Uber and DoorDash also make use of artificial intelligence to like send cars to you to get picked up and to also like fire workers without ever speaking to them. And when Elon was making fun of uh, Mark Zuckerberg's robot butler turning on and off his lights, he was like, I don't really think that's AI. He's wrong. It's just not AI in the (laughs) same vein as like the all-powerful paperclip producing Kim Jong-un emailer that he wants to create, but it is still all AI. Bunch of dipshits. (laughs) So, AI researcher and author of Machines Behaving Badly, Toby Walsh says, What the rationalists are concerned about, broadly speaking, is the development of artificial general intelligence, or AGI, a computer that can do all the mental tasks we can, 
AI Today is a collection of different technologies such as machine learning, natural language processing, and speech recognition. Because many of the recent advances in AI have been in the area of machine learning, artificial intelligence is often mistakenly conflated with it. While we have made good progress in getting machines to solve narrow problems, we have ooh, we have made almost no progress on building more general intelligence. That next part, I'm supposed to read that too. <laughs> 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 I just sitting here staring, just got. I mean, you, I guess you don't, have to. The you don't have to. I just, you know. There, there has been somewhat of an explosion of AI in the past few years that might make us think we are closer to the singularity, but AI general intelligence has not progressed past the general intelligence of a two-year-old. So that's like, you know, when people are really impressed about the chess chess playing AI or, or like Siri or something where it's like, it's really good at doing one task. But if you were to ask Siri, I don't know, what are the things that people trip up Siri asking? They're like, how do I love or, or something? I don't, There's I'm a couple sure. that just kind of literally make her glitch that like literally like she can't speak anymore, but I forget what those are. Yeah. It's or if usually you, like if you math. Ask, the chess AI thing to like write us a haiku about chess. It would be like, I, I don't know how to do that, but there is probably a haiku writing AI that can't play a single game of chess. So like none of them have the general intelligence of even a two. And I'm not sure what even a two year old would really mean. Cause like what do two year olds do? They know some words. But Yeah. I guess you could, I know, you could probably get a two-year-old are at a high stage of, like, development right now, I would say. Like, at that point in their development, they're learning a lot of new things. Um, yeah, I guess general intelligence is, like, the capacity to learn, to learn new stuff um, and then mm-hmm. do things with it. And maybe an AI can, like, learn some of the things that a two-year-old might be able to learn but can't do anything with it the same way that... You could maybe get a two-year-old to write a poem, but can you get it to write you a haiku about chess? Probably not. Um, so where the the cowards, the cowards who live in Silicon Valley, who hide in their little cyber trucks and they they quiver and they shake like chihuahuas with only their iPhones to warm their faces. Um, they have their basilisk. But longtime prayer warriors will know that at Big Soy Naturals, we have the dumb waiter. Um, I'm going to read that one quote from the Californian ideology that we have definitely read on at least 12 or 13 episodes. But, you know, (laughs) at his estate at Monticello, Thomas Jefferson invented many clever gadgets for his house, such as a dumb waiter to deliver food from the kitchen into the dining room. By mediating his contacts with his slaves through technology, this revolutionary individualist spared himself from facing the reality of his dependence on the forced labor of his fellow human beings. In the late 20th century, technology is once again being used to reinforce the difference between masters and slaves. So at the end of the day, AI is just the dumb waiter. That's all it is. It, you know, yeah. I didn't go into researching Dumbledore's hole to come to that conclusion. It just <laughs> came to me naturally 
like a dream through the immortal science. But artificial intelligence is often just obscured labor. Like we've summarized AI as the ability to like recognize patterns and create new actions based on those patterns. And that can be like a bit of a simplification at times, but it works for understanding what's going on, like the art that AIs generate where they create like a dozen oil paintings based on a selfie, like the pattern that it's pulling from is the summation of other artists' work, which is often, if not exclusively stolen, I'm not sure if I am aware of any like art AIs that have compensated or have like shared proper like credit with the art that it has based it's like none that I AI art of. from. So I think it is exclusively stolen um, other arts, uh, other artists' work. And then the chat AI's moderation ability comes from the work of uh, underpaid Kenyan workers and also its ability to put sentences together with information that makes sense. Um, it comes from like previously existing sentences and information all over the world that it has access to with research done by people that are definitely not getting paid twice for their work. Exactly. Um, you know, like they're, they're feeding, like you could say like they're fe- like they'd be feeding literature into some of these AI in order to like write them a paper on um, like well, the, yeah. the uh, reason war and peace. That the old um, like, chat AI that this one um, was the like sequel of, or I think it was actually the fourth iteration of this like um, concept. The reason that it kept saying slurs and being racist was that it like couldn't discern um, from all of the like gathered sentences and information Mm -hmm. across the internet, like what was acceptable to say and what wasn't. And so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, because it, cause it yeah. doesn't, you have to train it to understand the pattern of bigotry for it to, like, not reproduce that. Otherwise, you just ask it to write you a sentence about the book War and Peace, and it's going to come up with a bunch of slurs because it um, yeah. is, like, <laughs> reproducing just what it's already seen. I think about that um, AI bot from, like, oh, my God, probably, like, 2015 um she was like a teen girl that they turned into a, a twitter bot essentially that was like, like it when they have would teen, respond to you teen i know i know she's like she's like a i think she was like a young adult i can't quite remember but i do remember that eventually enough people on twitter just trained her into becoming like a neo-nazi like well, it, she it's was easy initially to, just because resp- if it's just yeah like feeding off of like existing sentences yeah you would have to teach it first about the concept of racism for it to not want to reproduce racism. Otherwise it's just not going to be like in its framework. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like it's, it's, it's not something that can like at this moment learn like social laws on its own or like laws of prose. Um, this is from the Time article on ChatGPT. Uh, it's called OpenAI used Kenyan workers on less than $2 per hour to make ChatGPT less toxic. <clears throat> so it goes, 
ChatGPT's creator, OpenAI, is now reportedly in talks with investors to raise funds at $29 billion valuation, including a potential $10 billion investment by Microsoft. Jet. Jet. <laughs> also, Open, <laughs> OpenAI like is, is Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and several other goons so yeah i feel like that is not always a part of a lot of the the articles about it but it is it is an elon musk and yes. friends project yeah i have had enough of peter Thiel. i would like him to stop showing up in my like episodes but he redacted <laughs> yeah ways. i would like yeah, to yeah, redact yeah. to him and one day i yeah. will which is why once mm-hmm. i get a p.o box Everyone yeah. listening, I will have one in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Get your 3D printers ready. I am ready yeah, to go. Get them warmed up. Um, ChatGPT's predecessor, GPT-3, has already shown an impressive ability to string sentences together. But it was a difficult sell, as the app was also prone to blurting out violent, sexist, and racist remarks. This is because the AI has been trained on a hun- hundreds of billions of words scraped from the internet, a vast repository of human language. That huge training data set was the reason for GPT-3's impressive linguistic capabilities, but also perhaps its biggest curse. Even as a team of hundreds of humans, even a team of hundreds of humans would have taken decades to trawl through the enormous data set manually. It was only by building an additional AI-powered safety mechanism that OpenAI would have been able to rein in that harm, producing a chatbot suitable for everyday use. OpenAI took a leaf out of the playbook of social media companies like Facebook, who had already shown it was possible to build AIs that could detect toxic language like hate speech to help remove it from their platforms. The premise was simple. Feed an AI with labeled examples of violence, hate speech, and sexual abuse. Um... That detector would be built into ChatGPT to check whether it was echoing the toxicity of its training data and filter it out before it ever reached the user. It could also help scrub toxic text from the training data sets of future AI models. So they built an AI to defeat the other AI. This is definitely like Whoa. the plot of some sci-fi something where it's like, to, to defeat the monster, we have to build a different monster to fight that monster. If we just keep building new ones, then the, the robot army will not have an uprising. If we just keep building leviathans just keep to building fight the, the leviathans. Army. <laughs> <laughs> to get those labels, OpenAI sent tens of thousands of snippets of text to an outsourcing firm in Kenya. This is the key part. Beginning in November 2021, much of that text appeared to have been pulled from the darkest recesses of the internet. Some of it described situations in graphic detail like child sexual abuse, bestiality, murder, suicide, torture, self-harm, and incest. Cool. By their their powers combined, they were Captain Bigotry. Um, It's like, I think, I mean, there's similar... Um, information that has come out in some pretty horrifying like exposés of the moderation teams that check Facebook content to make sure that people aren't like posting their suicides or domestic violence or like whatever on there. And it is pretty well documented already that 
long-term exposure to traumatic content, whether it is content that like is not personally experienced by you and is just viewed secondhand or not is like still going to cause people to develop PTSD and related problems from it. Um, There were a lot of like, I will have to link the article because I'm just referencing offhand, but I remember reading that there were several people who like developed substance abuse issues through having to watch all of this like really violent shit as well as like people who started doing self-harm. So for like, all of this to get outsourced to people making less than $2 an hour. And also to have to pick up like bigotry in a context that doesn't like belong to them really. Cause a lot of this is going to be like directed at a Western and like mostly American audience. And then you're asking like people in Kenya to understand like the nuances of American racism and then like feed that information into an AI. Well, and the key part about like that Facebook article you mentioned with the video moderators is that, um, and this is true with with um, the people in Kenya too. It, like as outsourcing works, this is an independent con- this is an independent company being contracted by these bigger corporations, so they do not have access to the same benefits that like a regular regular like Facebook employee from like San Francisco is getting. Yeah. So. Like with the Facebook moderator article, there were quite a few people who were saying like, we wanted therapy. We just wanted mental health resources in order to be able to sustain our like jobs and our careers. Like we needed like mental health resources. And they gave us like an hour, I like some, something like ridiculous, like, like an an hour well, to cry. I'm not sure essentially. if there yeah. is really any treatment that you can actually give someone for exposing no. them it, to violence. access to trauma yeah. just gives you PTSD. Yeah. yeah. I don't know and if it's, it's just going to keep happening. Do. It doesn't matter if it doesn't really matter how fairly compensated quote unquote you would be for um, this kind of work. You are still repeatedly being exposed to horrific horrible, abusive, bigoted. Yeah. And in this case, the compensation is less than $2 when again, the valuation of this company is several billions. I saw some people trying to defend this by saying that the like $2 an hour is the equivalent of a lot more money in I'm not actually sure what kind of currency is used in Kenya, and I should have looked that up, but it doesn't really Kenyan, matter. Hold on, because I got you can't shillings. Like <laughs> shillings. I am I'm like I'm like a little a little a little tism for red for this stuff. Hold Do on. Do you know this? Okay. I, but I, I think regardless of what the exchange is, even if it is like the equivalent of a lot of money, it is still obviously taking advantage of that like preferential exchange rate in order to pay people very little for a kind of labor that I'm not sure anyone can do um, safely. So yeah. Well, it's don't, <laughs> don't worry. Say, Greg? <laughs> it's actually, it's at $2 an hour actually really is, does not cover cost of living. So like if you live in Nairobi, Kenya, the average cost of living is, 1800 US dollars, which is 224,000 
Kenyan shillings. Oh, so it is actually shillings. Okay. Yeah. So 224,000. There's no way. There's no way. That's $1,700 you'd have to make in a month. So it's still not even like in line. 60 working hours in a month? If you work an eight-hour day? Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to make, they'd have to make $10 an hour to meet costs. That's minimum. You know, okay. if you work an eight hour day, I, I highly doubt that these people are working eight hour days and I doubt they're being paid yeah. overtime. So I, I would assume they're working a little more than that, but that's still not enough to make the cost of living. There aren't enough hours in a day to get yeah. to that yeah, point. And this is like highly specialized labor that again, I, I don't yeah. think is ethical for anyone to do, but if, no. if you could pay someone to do it, you would need to be way more than the, like even the equivalent of like $10 an hour. Yeah, no, it's, it's extremely, yeah. extremely specialized labor that um, would need to be highly like specially compensated. And it's just not, don't worry, though, because their outsourcing partner in Kenya was Sama, a San Francisco-based firm that employs workers in Kenya, Uganda, and India to label data for Silicon Valley clients like Google, Meta, and Microsoft. And then Sama markets itself as an ethical AI company and claims to help lift more than 50,000 people out of poverty. So don't worry. All the things we just looked up are null and void apparently because they are absolutely an ethical AI company that's lifting yeah. people out of pauper- poverty. Great. People like this are the like that kind of pitch. I hear it on fucking like Shark Tank all the time. <laughs> These guys who are like, uh, we like this like couple that looks like they came straight out of like Mormon missionary school, and they're like, <laughs> we fucking we we like weaved a bunch of hammocks with like women in Guatemala for like pennies on the dollar and that's helping them feed their families in a remote village like fuck off like yeah. it, it I, makes ha- no I have something sense. for greg it's gonna make yeah. greg very upset would you All like right. to hear about a charity that operates in san francisco with the aim of solving its homelessness problem i'd love to hear this please tell me <laughs> okay I'm introducing Code Tenderloin, a nonprofit based in San Francisco, which believes that it can solve the uh, problem of homelessness in San Francisco by teaching homeless people to code. They offer a six week, 72 hour course that teaches the basics of JavaScript um, and uses software developers from local tech companies as course instructors. I learned about this in the book, Machines Behaving Badly. And I went in and checked it out. And it it is up and running, Code Tenderloin in San Francisco. And they on their website, they say they remove barriers, it, such as they cover the cost of ride shares to get to jobs and interviews. Um, <laughs> and oh, they... Shares. Yeah, and they... they partner with uh, local businesses and major tech companies as well as nonprofits for long-term job placement. So I'm going to get really Give a man a fish he eats for a day. Teach a man to code and he codes for life. 
So he gets <laughs> scouted the, by Raytheon. The tender one. The tender. I was there <laughs> in October. I don't. They don't need to be taught how to code. Give them any of the empty apartments that are all around the Tenderloin. They're just locked up because nobody wants to. Nobody wants to rent them because this that part of the city is full of homeless people. But the yeah. homeless people can't rent anywhere in the city because the fucking rent's too expensive. You would think that um, a group of people who have sort of based their lives around the idea of effective altruism would understand that it's more effective to give a homeless person a home if you want to solve the problem of there are a lot of homeless people than it is to like enter them into this like Kafka-esque labyrinth of let me teach all of the homeless people JavaScript and then I will pay for them to get an Uber where they can do a job interview. (laughs) They're still operating off of this like old ass mentality from like 10 years ago that like everyone can just get a job in coding like as if coding is still this like california gold rush that we can all just run to when we need a quick fix for a fucking career also fucking javascript javascript (laughs) i'm someone who work i work in in finance and so i'm very adjacent to the tech world i work I'm, i'm very adjacent to the tech world no, there's not a fucking job posting in existence anymore that's like, do you know JavaScript, that thing that, like, nobody uses anymore because it's fucking 20 years old? Yeah, come come do that, and we'll pay you $90,000 a year for it. That job doesn't exist. Me showing up, up to OpenAI's office saying, like, I'm pretty good at Adobe Flash. Yeah, I'm going to open up a nonprofit for podcasters to learn how to use Flash so that they can mm-hmm. get gainful employment. Um, Greg, can you can you tell us a little bit about Teslas? Oh, they're also no. AI powered. Are Teslas the dumb waiter? What do you think? Let me, let me fucking tell you guys about the cars that won't stop exploding in the world's <laughs> first AI uh, AI powered vehicle. All right. So, um, in 2016, the Mer- the Mercury News investigation, the hidden workforce expanding Tesla's factory, revealed that Tesla was contracting migrant workers to build their cars in the U.S. For less than $5 an hour, oh, I'm going to get madder and madder as I read this, significantly <laughs> less than union and non-union American manufacturing workers typically make. In response to this article, Musk tweeted, only heard about this today. Sounds like the wrong thing happened on many levels. We'll investigate and make it right. Something else 20- that came out. Hold on. I got to tell you, you're going to be even more mad. Um, something else that came out in this investigation is that, you know, these, these like manufacturing Tesla facilities, they're in the United States. There were suddenly a bunch of migrant workers from mostly Eastern European countries that were working there on, what is it? The H H one visas, I think. Um, Uh that is the one that like a lot of tech companies use and it, it sort of, um, you know, prompted the question from the investigators of this article why are there so many migrant workers from this specific place that are suddenly working at tesla factories and i think that like given what we know about elon's connection to certain other individuals i am not making trafficking allegations but i am saying that like sex trafficking is the secondary like 
most popular form of trafficking and labor trafficking is the kind that makes up like the highest proportion of uh, human trafficking that takes place. And I think that that is that's something that we should all pay attention to when we find out that migrant workers are all working in like Fremont, California, um, making less than five dollars an hour. And that one employer is responsible for hiring all of these people. Hmm. Just saying. Well, you know, it gets worse. In 2017, also from the Mercury News, published a piece titled Tesla Workers Complain of Low Pay, Unsafe Conditions. Inside the article, Jose Moran, a a production worker at the Fremont plant, wrote in an online blog post that workers typically earn between $17 and $21 per hour, below the national average for a U.S. auto worker of $25.58 an hour. Even with a steady paycheck, he said, it's hard to make ends meet in the Bay Area. He commutes from Mante- uh, Manteca, spending three hours a day in his vehicle, and can put in 60 to 70 hours a week. That, I We're just want to say, 17, of course not. No. I just want to say, $17 an hour is what I made is at a temp job out of college working for the county. Also, seventeen an hour, an hour when you're doing like dangerous labor, like extremely help, dangerous, like manufacturing labor. Yeah. vehicles. It is they're putting together bombs, like like clearly preying on a, a certain kind of person who is going to be desperate for this job, regardless of like the low pay and the unsafe working conditions. Yeah. Um, like a a car is already on its own explosive. But these <laughs> cars are like double explosive. Car. Like just ultimate ex- like it's just like imagine like a firework versus like a literal dirty bomb. Like that's the difference between like a Tesla and a car. Like if you you can yeah. make a couple mistakes on a car that make it catch. Well on no, because a firework is supposed to explode and yeah. cars so is a Tesla. <laughs> Yeah, so it was a Tesla, actually. Yes, maybe it's more like a, it's more like an illegal firework. Like if I went, if I'm in like DC and I went to Virginia to like buy fireworks, and they were like, "This one's called the fuck you." Let's put this analogy. <laughs> this one's off. called the fuck you liberal <laughs> that people that our listeners can understand. If you were in New Jersey and you went to Pennsylvania to get fireworks, uh, <laughs> I don't know about this Vir- Virginia nonsense. <laughs> Well, wow. Let's classes. Let's keep reading everyone. <laughs> In 2020, Forbes writes an article about Elon's plans to build the Cybertruck. In Tesla touts middle-skill factory jobs that pay no more than trash collection. Boo, shitty title from Forbes. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. Ew, trash collection. <laughs> To build the Cybertruck, the high-tech company expects to use 65% unskilled labor, hmm. which is not real. Yeah. Um, on the other, employment is supposed to be 5,000 middle-skilled jobs with an average annual salary of $47,147. Cool. fucking Listener, that, that is, is around $15 change. an hour. I understand to the three that, like, 15 year olds that, that listen to us that have no idea how salaries work. <laughs> yeah. That's chump I change. Mean, listen, when, it's garbage. I, until very recently, my like take home or not, not my take home pay, my like 
official salary for the year was something like $19,000 until pretty recently. So I understand if people are listening and they're like, ah, $47,000, that sounds like a lot. Because when I got a job that paid me $44,000, I immediately started telling all of my friends that I was in the 1%. But (laughs) Tesla is a multi-billion dollar company. And building a car, no matter what part you are involved in, in the production of it, is not only skilled labor, because all labor is skilled labor, but it's also really fucking dangerous. And 47,000 is the equivalent of like a little bit more than 15 an hour, which is minimum wage in a lot of places. Like it's, it's, it's a laughable salary for someone who is building a car. You know what this is making me realize all those videos I've been seeing from like detailers who are like, Tesla's are put together like shit. All of this shit is asymmetrical. Like the detailing on all of this is so garbage that it actually makes the car even more unsafe. Just the aesthetic, like, manufacturing of it is enough to make it also unsafe on top of that. Like, all these, like, windows are not sealed. None of this is, like, of course, like, they're not putting it together. Comes in with no experience, and this is the only kind of manufacturing job that they can get because Elon is taking advantage of them. The moment that they, like, develop any... Um, like expertise or skills, they would be able to move literally anywhere else and make more money yeah. than that. Because I, I mean, I understand that like the, you know, Detroit is not what it used to be in terms of like being a powerhouse of car manufacturing, but it's, this is still a well-paying job um, in like relative to like blue class or what is it? Blue collar jobs in the United blue States. Collar. Like, uh <laughs> I, I should know that because those are those are my people. But it's you know, you can make like sixty or seventy thousand dollars. I, I, I just fucking googled it. Yeah, it, minimum salary, minimum to live in the city limits of Fremont, California, is at least sixty one thousand well, dollars. So and you should look up. You should look up like Austin, Texas, because this uh, also Michigan. would be the the Tesla or sorry the Cybertruck manufacturing uh, is going to be. In Texas, and I believe it's living wage calculation. So your minimum living wage calculation is twenty five dollars an hour. Yeah, that sounds about right. I feel like that is probably what you need in any U.S. city. That's like fifty. That's like fifty five thousand dollars a year. Like I would assume that like a Tesla manufacturer is meant to push product, um, and like be efficient to like a very inhuman degree for the amount of money that they're being paid. Like I would assume that like the assembly line is just absolutely yeah, they're working fucked. 70 hours yeah. a week yeah. and working being 70 made hours to a week. put out things in an unreasonable time frame. The like no all of the reports that I read said that in November and December, which I guess people are getting Tesla's for Christmas or something like they're all working extremely late hours and often not getting overtime pay. And the thing that Greg pointed out where you have to be making what, like $60,000 to live in Fremont is why most of the um, people that work at the Tesla factories were saying that they commute several hours to get to work where then they then are putting in 70 hours a week because they are not paid enough to work and live in the same city. Um, And I, I think like with, all of this knowledge, it makes sense to look at AI as not this like 
metaphysical, like mystical thing, but just another tool that is made with labor that could be a use to accomplish things like in the same way as electricity, where it's not good or bad, but the people that create and implement AI technology into products and services are evil. Um, And they don't value the labor that's involved, even when they create stuff where they are, I mean, underpaying, but paying people to help them make it, they still seem to believe that it is automated. Um, And that like devaluing of labor comes at the expense of the actual workers who are spending their days maintaining these products. And it's why none of these things are good or work. Um, The value system of the like, AI evangelists and the people utilizing the technology is what makes AI so scary and not the technology itself. I went into this like feeling really anti AI altogether, just like yeah. wanting wanting to do a little little hideout in the cabin and voting by mail. But I think I, I have come to the conclusion that it, I'm fine with it. It's just not um a te- like a technology that I trust being used by a lot of the people that are using it. But as, yeah. as a thing, it's fine. The, the main premise of almost every single Silicon Valley giant, like their ethos is innovation first, ethics and figure out the rest of that shit later. And that goes on both ends, both like on the user side and the employee side. Yeah. Like they don't really give a shit if it's hurting the user right or if it's not actually catered towards the user similar to how like they'll make like automatic like paper towel holders and like they won't even like detect like black skin like that kind of shit where they're just like they're not testing for the user and on the side of like tech workers like they're they're just treating them like absolute dog shit like there's all around they are not considering like ethics first in any regard on any level there is absolutely no need that's because they're too they're too rationalist for for ethics um craig do you want to tell us about a different terrible thing yeah (laughs) so everybody ai algorithms have been gaining traction in you guessed it policing in late 2011 Time Magazine named predictive policing as one of the year's 50 best inventions. Remember, folks, Time Magazine also made Hitler person of the year twice. Yeah. (laughs) Predictive policing is now used by the police across the U.S., including in California, Washington, South Carolina, Alabama, Arizona, Tennessee, New York, and Illinois. And everybody, say it together. What do most of those states have in common? Are you, are you going to say it? Were we all going to say I thought, it? I thought you guys were going to say we it. We were all going to say it. Police brutality. I was going to say that Seattle. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, oh. I was going to say it's a, they're majority minority states. Oh. oh. Is that true for Washington? Washington, I think, is the outlier, but every other state. What is true about Washington is that even though white people make up like 88%, which is a crazy amount, that's like an ethnostate amount of uh, the the population of Seattle, uh, black residents who are less than 10% or like black people in Seattle, because you could just be visiting, um, they make up like over 70% or something, something crazy like that. I'll have to find the exact statistic of like, um, 
targets of policing. And it it really makes a lot of sense to me that predictive policing is being used to determine that. And, And also in California, which I think we hear about like every other week for a terrible thing that's happened in any of the cities there and the cops and New York, which like the police force in New York is its own military essentially. So it's, it's not surprising, not surprising, but it's very scary. And Tennessee we're we're hearing a lot about right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The the thing I can definitely speak to the South is, all of those states are over 50% black. Mm. Tennessee, maybe not. But Alabama and South Carolina are like 60 to 70% black populations. Um, and just as a clear legacy of what was going on there. But, um, and Illinois same, is where Chicago is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Tennessee like is Nashville and Memphis. Yeah. And Arizona... Yeah, I was like, going to say. They're specifically targeting the Native American population and okay. the Mexican population. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was curious. The same shit happens in Utah. I don't like, know a lot about Arizona generally. Utah's um, like 70-something percent white, and I believe like 80% of our prison population is Native and Hispanic. Cool. So, and we're we're taking an algorithm and we're just scanning faces and being like, yep, hmm, so who's going to commit crime today? <laughs> So predictive policing, folks, makes use of existing data of where previous crimes were reported and an algorithm to determine, to determine where and when is a crime more likely to take place. In Australia, predictive policing is already used to determine who might be more likely to commit a crime, and then that person becomes an increased target for surveillance. That Unsurprising is to me about cool. Australia, a very, a very terrible place. You're more racist than we could ever imagine being. They're so racist. It's crazy. Like, oh my God, so many of my friends have been like, don't ever go to Australia. Just like, don't. It Just don't. Well, and yeah, um, if you look up, um, like, hmm, what, what would be the right words for you? Maybe like police brutality, Australia, police discrimination, Australia, content warnings for what you will find, but it is pretty mm-hmm. egregious there, Major. which maybe is not surprising given what yeah what kind of country it is but this technology i i mean i think that the problems of it are are baked in where if you're going to use like historical crime data to determine where future crimes are going to take place it's not i mean first of all what is the crime You, you know you know but but also like where are we determining like that all of this crime data is valid and who makes up that previously existing data and is an algorithm going to take into account if it is being discriminatory when it's like purely looking at a a data set? Probably not. And it enables cops that are already looking to discriminate to do what they were planning on doing already. It's just another version of like broken windows policing. Well, you think about like even just like other versions of like I wouldn't call it like predictive in terms of AI but just like predictive literally like policing you think about like post 2001 right just like the random checks that they well, do that's, on people that's broken or, like, windows the, the face scanning that they're currently yes. using in like 
airports and things like that. It's like, it's all just meant to do like these background checks on you to predict whether or not you might be a terrorist. Well, that that Um, is broken windows policing, which by the way was created um, with like first theorized by biracial Malcolm Gladwell. um, (laughs) I was was thinking about Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani was like, hey, this is such a great idea. Number one fan. But Malcolm Gladwell was the guy that thought of it. And it was just the idea that like, if you're in a neighborhood where there are signs of crime, imagine me rolling my eyes in a really big way, such as like broken windows that you should like, pick out this neighborhood as a subject for increased surveillance because there will be more likely to be additional crimes in that neighborhood. And of course that led to insanely racist practices by cops from fucking Staten Island or whatever, who already want to be racist. Um, They're all all like that from childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, they're, you know, Italians. Off topic, do you remember when um, Time Magazine lo- like just fucking uh, ran out of ideas for Person of the Year and they just went, uh, the Person you, of the Year is you. You. And it was a you mirror. You are the Person I, of the I Year. I do remember that because I'm I am a self-diagnosed narcissist and I think I was like 10 <laughs> when that came just, out. So yeah. I was like, oh yeah, me. There I wasn't am, a genocidal right-wing dictator that year for them to make it. Yes, yeah, so no, they were like, uh... Here, we'll put like some foil on the cover and you can look at yourself. <laughs> you it's you, you're the person of the year, you won. Um there's uh something I think you could put a pretty big overlap between uh the predictive policing stuff and like um the Boston Dynamics like cop dog. Um but anyway. Um 99% of the things that come out of like the state of Massachusetts are just racism and different packages. <laughs> yeah. Boston. Like the only good thing, time forgot. The only good thing that's come out of Massachusetts is like Dunkin' Donuts. Mm, that's true. True. I do I do I do love to dunk. Um, America runs on Dunkin'. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> I mean, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Dunkin'. <laughs> Is it, is it truly Talk is it truly me. a good day unless I have a a box of uh, Munchkins anyway? Wait, this episode um, is not sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts. This episode is sponsored by the Cybertruck. Dunkin' Donuts, you can reach me at the Roller Radio Show at gmail.com. <laughs> Open one in Salt Lake City, please. <laughs> I'm begging. Um, there's something else called the Compass tool. That's C O M P A S. It sounds like something uh, my brother would say, like, oh, it smells like compass in here. Um, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced <laughs> And then I'm like, compass. what's a compass? <laughs> it's like compass. Compass. Like com- <laughs> compass, but okay. Um, the compass tool is used across the U.S. to help uh, judges decide who might be more likely to reoffend. offend <laughs> 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 And they base their sentencing on that data. In 2016, ProPublica found that, quote, (sighs) I did give you this quote so that you Yes, you did. (laughs) You did. I just, you already, you warned me about it at the beginning, not even warned, you just told me at the beginning of us recording and I forgot that I was going to say that. Everybody's wondering what slur you're going to have to say right now. No, it's fine. ProPublica found that, quote, blacks are almost twice as likely. (laughs) (laughs) What? I'm trying to just finish your 
I'm trying to be an efficient podcaster, and I'm getting sidetracked. <clears throat> Are almost twice as likely to be labeled higher risk, but not actually reoffend. Whereas the tool makes the opposite mistake amongst whites. So everyone, you do now have the audio of Kendall saying blacks. And if you have any desire to take any of the other words that Kendall has ever said and put them <laughs> in an order and then send that clip to me, I will hold on to it for safekeeping and perhaps use it to get access to the Kennedy family cryogenic <laughs> compound. Now but that's okay. efficient rationality you're using right there. Mm, yeah. Um, so not only was the compass tool racist, um, it also was not that good at predicting crimes. Um, it was like less good than a coin flip because only one in five people that it predicted would commit a violent crime would actually do so. And that makes a lot of sense because when you are training an AI off of a data set that is biased, it's going to produce biased results. And just well, when like, you make the I, AI racist, <laughs> it's just going to do racist I'm going to make stuff. an AI that's so racist. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> well, and, and it's like the, it's, it's so obvious that it would not work. But they, they just act like, I don't, I, it can't be that hard to be a judge. Why do they have to automate their sentencing? They don't have that much to do. You say that, but have you ever seen, have you ever seen my cousin Vinny? Yeah. Okay. I've been no, to the court in the South many wrong. a time. I've been to court in the South many a time for like traffic offenses. The judges are actually like that guy. Like, um. I do, you know, it's just like, they shouldn't be sending anyone to prison, but it doesn't seem like they have anything else to do with their day. No. So I'm not sure why they need an algorithm to tell them whether or not someone is more likely to reoffend. But of course, like when you're building your AI based on the previous data of what kinds of people a judge decided to send to prison then you're going to send more of the same kinds of people back to prison or not commute their sentences or whatever it is that like is being asked of these judges. And it's just really like, it's so dumb. And there's, there's already a lot of um, studies out that demonstrate that like people are more likely to behave very, what's the, another word for very dumb there. They will, they will allow themselves to be convinced into doing something really dumb if an AI like spits out or an algorithm mm -hmm. like spits out a result and tells them that that is the correct thing to do. So if a judge or a cop who is already not a smart kind of person is relying on an AI to tell them what to do, they're like more likely going to be following that whether or not like they could use their good judgment, which they don't have in the first place to tell them that that is not a sensible conclusion because a, a smart person would maybe be seeing that their AI is telling them to send all of the black people to prison and be, would be yeah. like, Hey, something's up here. Um, but it, you know, took an independent investigation for that to be determined. 
Yeah, because all they want to do is sit around and hotbox and sniff their own fucking farts. Yeah. Um, AI technology so like, is... The, oh, go ahead. Sorry. The, the idea is just to make your job as easy as possible, easier than it already is, have absolutely no effort being put in. And but why would you that, even look at the thing that's already making it so that you can do nothing? That and it's the dumbwaiter again, yeah. where you yeah. are kind of obscured from the very, like, weighty decision of making a choice that has a massive impact on a person's life um, of sending them to prison or commuting their sentence or um, policing their home or whatever. And so instead of like deliberating about if this is the right thing to do and if this makes sense with the information that you have, which again, it it never does, but imagining that you are a a dumb judge And instead of thinking about all of that, you're just like leaving it up to an algorithm, which is very much the dumbwaiter of like creating an artificial distance between yourself and other humans um, in order to obscure like the actual labor that is taking place. And so it makes sense also for the same reason that AI technology is currently being used in warfare and imperial violence. Well, don't you worry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you have worry. more bad because, things to share? Because everyone, they're gonna fi- they're gonna fix it. They're gonna make another AI, and it's gonna it's gonna be <laughs> way less racist than the first one. It's gonna fix everything. Don't, yeah, don't don't even mm. worry. All right. In 2015, The Intercept published drone papers, which revealed that nine out of ten people killed by drone strikes were not the intended target. And that's with drone target uh, drone targeting technology only being mostly automated and a human still making the final decision. So this is what happens when the U.S. Army runs ads saying you can fight a war with your Xbox 360 controller and you, you get this as your result. Yeah, a well, staggering it's, it's statistic of just like percent. is so crazy. And a human being the final decision maker, what that means is that the AI determines, like, this is where the drone strike should take place. And that person is the person who is supposed to be saying, this place makes sense or it does not make sense. They're supposed to be providing a check on the data. By an army eagle psyop. And and they're just going, yeah, do it. And then they blow up, like, a wedding or a funeral or a school and yeah, they're like, ah, oh, I didn't guys, mean Google, to. The Google, algorithm um, made me do it. Go ahead and Google uh, Obama hospital, Yemen. Yeah. He built a really Did nice you know hospital. That- you, guys should Google <laughs> yeah, I was say. <laughs> you should, you, there will be co- content warnings. If you Google Obama yeah. hospital, Yemen for what yeah. you yeah. would expect. Um, it's, it's really like it's it's maddening. It makes me feel crazy. And it's only going to get worse when inevitably the human um is completely replaced by the computer and there's no final check. Israel already uh, which of course they do has a weapon called Harpy and Harpy is a drone that hangs out for around 6 hours over a battlefield and it uses its anti-radar homing system to take out surface uh to air missile systems on the ground sometimes it takes out other stuff accidentally um or maybe it's not accidentally i'm not sure 
Israel also uses facial recognition technology at the checkpoints of occupied Palestine to track and police Palestinians. That technology, by the way, is um, made and uh, operated by IBM. So I would like to make an an observation, just something I just I just it just connected dots for me in my head. So obviously, I hope, you know, there's a war in Eastern Europe right now. Um, and Ukraine and Russia are fighting. And something I've noticed time and time again, and this is like most of what you see on Twitter is like Western propaganda for this. Mm-hmm. Ukraine, multiple times with NATO hardware, with U.S. manufactured hardware, has accidentally struck hospitals and schools yeah. multiple times, way more than you see it reported the Russians doing to the Ukrainians. And I can't help but think it's partially the design of the equipment itself. If a drone or an, like a, a semi-autonomous artillery round, which they exist, is built and then it's uploaded with data, say, from the war in Afghanistan or Iraq, and all the buildings that it was hitting were schools and hospitals, it kind yeah. of tracks that those same types of buildings would be being hit in like Donetsk. It being right. hospitals and schools. And the, the people who defend AI technology and warfare believe that it can and maybe is already trained on being able to recognize civilians versus um, other, like the enemy Madness. military. I cannot imagine that that is truly possible in any realistic way, but that's one of the claims. Like a human being cannot recognize the difference between civilians right. and combatants. I, I would want to know what yeah. kind of data set it's being trained on in order to make that determination. The data set of, of like, if they're going off of a human data set of, you know, soldiers, it is very likely that, mo- like, in almost, like, and this is true for, like, police, too. Like, in all of those, like, training scenarios, there's a staggering percentage of them that cannot tell the difference between yeah. a civilian and a criminal or a combatant. So I don't know what data they're working off of here that allows them to, like, what is the AI able to detect a gun? And I highly doubt that it's able to see the difference between, like, a gun and, like, someone's fucking suitcase at this and point. And the, the scary thing is, is that we've already entered an AI, like, technology warfare arms race because... Yeah. Russia is using some like AI technology. I'm not totally certain um, to what extent, which of course was prompted by the United States developing like AI warfare technology and wanting to be able to compete with that. And that of course is prompting the United States to develop and hone its existing technology even further and then share that technology with its allies, such as fucking Israel, which is going to do who knows what with it. Fucking more well, more we know what what they're going to do with it, and then that is going to get sold in various black markets, the way that Toyotas got sold or gifted um, to certain certain groups that are. Um, Doing really bad things. Yeah. And we're we're already there. There were a number of AI researchers who um, 
are not part of the the evil rationalist cabal that made like this impassioned plea to the UN in 2015 to stop developing um, AI warfare technology. I, I mean, you're never going to get anywhere by pleading with the UN, but I, I respect the attempt, I guess. Um, and they were like, we're going to enter into um, like an arms race that we won't be able to back out of if people don't make a commitment right now to not use this technology in war. And of course, the US was like, <laughs> fuck that, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is pretty much the response to any sort of like question or mandate that comes out of the UN. And it's, silly, a, it's a goofy really era. scary thing to think about because this is the technology that's going to be used in, like, of course, like, imperialism and resource extraction like across the the world and then also in policing domestically um and it is only going to become more advanced unless we do something about it but the yeah the evil of this technology like it isn't the technology itself but it is a question of values and it's clear that the rationalists do not have the right value system in order to know that it is just wrong to build automated drones or I don't know if anyone's ever seen the psychopaths, but I just started, I started watching that and it was like, what if guns were in AI and it told you which people to shoot because it already knew who was bad. And I mean, that's what the predictive policing is. Um, but it's like, it's very scary to know, I guess that this, this like value system is the same thing that is believed by all of the people that are making this technology and, and, and influencing the outcomes of this technology that is going to be ruling our lives. I mean, like, not to, not to reference, like, anime, but it really is, like, fucking psychopaths. <laughs> like, it really just it is, is psychopaths. Like, I'm really sorry. Like, We're allowed to make an anime reference. Yeah. I'm allowed you to know make what? fun of you for it now. <laughs> it's just it's it's good that you don't watch anime, Greg. It would be bad for your. It would be bad overall, for you. Yeah. It would be bad for your vibe. Yeah, vibe your overall vibe would be. Yeah, I think your vibe would be destroyed. If you were like think... a white guy that knew a lot about like Boston. regions in the world, and then also you were an anime fan, I I just I think that it would not be good. It'd have me vouching for empires or something. No, it would be yeah. good for your vibe. Getting a septum piercing. That'd be good for That's your vibe. That's true. Yeah. I do That's want one, but I, I cannot have one at my job. You just oh, flip boo. it up. Flip it. I work for a stuffy-ass bank. Drop it. Twist it. Pull it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so. Yeah. Um, the rationalist Slate Star Codex wrote the blog post Social justice and words, words, words in 2014. And it goes like this. Donald Sterling is racist. (laughs) We know this because he made a racist comment in the privacy of his own home. As a result, he was fined $2.5 million, banned for life from an industry he's been in for 35 years, banned from ever going to basketball games, forced to sell his property against his will, publicly condemned by everyone from the president of the United States on down, denounced in every media outlet from the national news to the podunk Herald Tribune, 
and got people all over the internet gloating about how pleased they are that he will die soon. We know he deserved this because people who argue he didn't deserve this were also fired from their jobs. He deserved it because he was racist. Everyone knows this. So, everybody is racist. Jesus Christ. And racist people deserve to lose everything they have and be hated by everyone. This seems like it might present a problem. Unless, of course, you plan to be the person who gets to decide which racists lose everything and get hated by everyone. And which racists are okay for now as long as they never cross you in any way. Sorry, there's that paranoia again. Did Tucker Carlson write this? Can I say something? I'm Mr. Yeah. Sterling's right-hand arm man. I'm Mr. <laughs> Sterling's <laughs> everything. everything. I was saying it. I was saying it. <laughs> Me. <laughs> I'm his confidant, his best friend, his silly rabbit. <laughs> what? <laughs> his silly rabbit. Oh, does he call you that? <laughs> no, that's what I call myself. <laughs> so I feel like it, it it makes sense that this is the thought process of someone who oh, is idiot. highly influential in the trajectory of AI thought um, and and it makes sense that people influenced by this kind of writing would not realize that even if you tell the predictive policing algorithm to not take race into account when determining who should be policed, that it is okay to use zip code. Like, (laughs) and they think that they've prevented their algorithm from the possibility of doing racism because they just told it not to consider race. Blows my mind that they can't they can't grasp concepts that like Richard Nixon could grasp. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like like we're supposed to feel bad because Donald Sterling, yeah, he made a racist comment, but he did it in the privacy of his own home. (laughs) Yeah, he really that little key point in there. He did it in the privacy of his own home. Can a man not say slurs in his house anymore? Like like he's talking about sucking dick and cock in like the (laughs) seventies or something. Like I'm all I'm okay with it, but like do it in the privacy of your own home. Yeah. Um. This. (laughs) Yeah. So. This connects to another idea, because um, you know we're thinking about the value systems of the people who create our um, police surveillance technology and the drones that kill nine out of ten people that weren't intended for the target. Um, and so, Robin Hanson, you might remember him from episode one of Dumbledore's Hole. Um, he he has an idea. He's proposed an idea that's near and dear to all of our hearts. And I'm going to I'm going to let Kendall read a little bit of his essay titled Two Types of Envy. And I think that listeners in your car, you've had you've had a buzzball or two. You're on your way to the mm-hmm. Dunkin' Open up Donuts. One. <laughs> You're on your way to the Dunkin' Donuts drive-through. Before you get there, let's see if you can guess what issue is at the crux mm-hmm. of uh, this essay? Yeah, well, I'll wait. I'll give you a. I'll give you a moment. Well, you have to read it. So no, no, no. I'm just. I'm. Se- I'm letting them. I'm letting them guess at home. Next, I'm letting yeah. them guess Open in their car. Next buzzball, folks. Open it up. Take a sip. Yeah, yeah. Take a sip. Take a guess. 
Okay. I got pushed down on that gas pedal. You got your gas? <laughs> okay. Here we go. <laughs> one <clears throat> quote, one might plausibly argue that those with much less access to sex suffer from a similar degree as those with low income. And it might and, <laughs> and might similarly hope to gain from organizing around this identity to lobby for redistribution <laughs> along the axis and to at least implicitly threaten violence if their demands are not met. As with income inequality, most folks concerned about sex inequality might explicitly reject violence as a method, at least for now, and, <laughs> and yet be encouraged privately when the possibility of violence helps move others to support their policies. Parentheses, sex could be directly redistributed, or cash might be redistributed for compensation. If you guessed sexual mutual aid, you were right. Here's the deal, everybody. This is the guy who looks just like the mega mind no bitches picture for sure. <laughs> no bitches? No bitches? No, no, no mutual, no sexual comrades? <laughs> you reinvented sexual mutual aid and also prostitution in the same thought. One might plausibly argue that those with, with uh, much less access to sex suffer to a similar degree as those with low income. Quality. I'm going to need you to explain. I'm going to need a word on that one, Chief. <laughs> I'm sexually poor. I'm in sexual poverty. <laughs> on, the pover- on the sexual poverty I line, also, I, I am I just don't understand. Why they keep coming to conclusions like this, and not a, one of their solutions is maybe I should be more fuckable. Yeah, I I love the idea of like a tech bro who makes like one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year, <laughs> seeing someone complain about being broke and going, but you don't know, like I'm broke in pussy. <laughs> I have zero My pussy reserves are on E. <laughs> I'm in pussy debt. I need to go get food stamps for pussy, but the government will not give them to me because they Swiping do not my, take uh, my, my flight uh, my seriously. card for pussy. <laughs> yeah, no, I need you to. I need you to read yeah. the yeah. rest of oh, this. Continues. I think it you're gonna going to love it. Don't don't fret. Pay pigs and prayer warriors. He 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 really doubles down. Mm-hmm. A tweet. This is a quote again. Sorry. <laughs> a tweet on this post induced a lot of discussion on Twitter, much of which accuses me of advocating enslaving and raping women. Wonder why. Uh, uh, okay. Apparently, men. Oh. Like, men <laughs> <laughs> apparently, <laughs> many people can't imagine any other way to reduce or moderate sex inequality. Parentheses, redistribute literally means change the distribution. In the post, I mentioned cash compensation. More cash can make people more attractive and better able to afford legalized prostitution. Others have mentioned promoting monogamy and discouraging promiscuity. Surely, I want to see his fucking are... passport. I don't know where he goes. <laughs> yeah. 
surely there are dozens of possibilities. And some of those possibilities include going to a different country. Okay. Sex choices are influenced by a great many factors. And each such factor offers a possible level of for influencing sex inequality. Rape and slavery, <laughs> slavery are far from the only possible levers. So How you're saying on that the they're table. It's entirely okay. possible. <laughs> I think it's entirely they're possible. Not the, they're not the exactly. only when, options. Don't worry. We're trying to beat options. When you're trying to beat the "I want to enslave and rape women" allegations, maybe don't say. Well, it's an option. Define, define. It's not, a high, it's said, not high on the list, not, but if being nice and wearing a fedora doesn't work, I guess we have if to resort making, to options If making money, paying a prostitute who is apparently legal, a legal prostitute, paying a legal prostitute, having money, I, or- I like- Promoting monogamy and discouraging promiscuity. I guess that probably just means like commenting on girls. New pictures, Soviet being man, like, new Soviet you don't deserve this. Do better. <laughs> Baby girl, you look so yucky, disgusting in that Fenty bodysuit. <laughs> Baby, you need, to, you need to put on a linen dress and sit, yeah. <laughs> sit in the wearing woods. He's wearing a, a Terry trench coat and a fedora. <laughs> yeah, and I I feel like this really easily connects to the issue of AI porn, which has been like a it's been a hot topic in the past couple days, weeks. Um, where it makes thread? sense to me, oh yeah, it makes sense to me that that people who think that you know rape and slavery they're they're far from the only options would be perfectly okay with creating tools that if they didn't directly make them to generate nude images of real people would be okay with like other people creating that technology and not, not creating any stops on it. Because again, all of this is just like matching from patterns. You should not be able to feed any person's face into an AI that, spits out nude images of that person but why would that be any different from like stealing the art of all all artists from all time and generating images based on that if you also think that like maybe we just need to you know being poor in sex is sort of the same as being poor in in money like it's it's a just a lack of like (laughs) A, a morality that would allow someone to realize that they're doing something wrong. Oh, my pussy stalk is taking a nosedive. <laughs> I'm going to end up on the fucking... Buying long I... calls on getting pussy. <laughs> I'm seeing so many people who are, like, involved in the world of AI, like, defending the existence of these things, or, a, like, if they're not going that far, um, just being confused about why ethically people see it as like on par with assault um or revenge porn and they're like well it's it's not nothing actually happened to you it's just an image generated based on your face like what's the i don't understand what the big harm is um and it just it's like a it's a lack of of a morality that would make understanding that kind of thing possible and it 
makes sense to me that the like field of ethics in AI is a sorely underutilized one. I know that Google fired both of the leads and then dissolved their one of their AI ethics teams in 2021. And it was like a big to do at the time. And this kind of like technology is only going to improve. And I don't think that we need to wait for a sentient AI singularity for like automated drones and AI porn to be the thing that destroys the world. Um, but we don't, we don't like to leave people so gloomy. So I wanted to think a little bit about like, what, what could we do about it? Uh, I will say that direct action works. Um, (laughs) and we, we, we don't have to go into so many details about what that is, but Direct, direct action does work. And then I think that the other thing is is that having like a robust labor movement could really be the key to like putting a lot of curtails on this because I don't think that pleading with the UN is going to go anywhere. But AI is built from labor. So and and as and as you know, labor is entitled to all, all that it creates. So we we could we could do something about it, and yeah. I I feel like we could make the AI communist. It's possible, ladies and gentlemen. We could we could make like a fun AI that makes beats for me um, to send to my friends to rap on. Greg, do you rap? Do I rap? Yeah, could I get you to start rapping if I send you a beat? I don't know. <laughs> Okay. We're going to leave this money on Patreon. We're going to post to Greg freestyling. <laughs> so we could get an AI that spends all of its time convincing Greg that he could be the next. Um, be the next, next G Easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think that there is absolutely like potential in this technology for good. Just like um, the industrial revolution and its consequences exactly. were detrimental for the human race, but it didn't have to be, could have gone a different way. And I think that my last thing on this is that uh, tech workers need to get their fucking shit together and stop being a part of the labor aristocracy. Because I, I know that all of you little freaks out there who are making $180,000 building the war cloud, which I think is something that Microsoft is putting out, or you're making the facial recognition technology at the checkpoints in, in Palestine. You could just not do that. And maybe, maybe you'll experience some retaliation for not doing that, but maybe you don't need to make $180,000 a year, or maybe you can organize with your coworkers and do something that protects you from retaliation and make more money. Um, Like I know that the the tech sector is like very difficult to organize in because all of them are like addicted to being libertarians, but they could, they could just stop being that way. Yeah. Well, I bet you could find a way to word organizing as if it's like a libertarian mode of thinking. Maybe you're like scamming the system or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That you're like scamming the system. That you're like Guys, breaking we're gonna do up a like dumb policy. Scheme on our boss. 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I promise if you do this, no, no. You know what? No, I'm not going to (laughs) say Well, I've decided. Let's just move on. Uh (laughs) A personal Um, hero of mine. Oh. Lenin. From imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism. Oh, was it supposed to be you? No, I I thought maybe you would say Eminem or uh, who's a white basketball player? (laughs) Larry Bird? My personal hero. Larry Bird. <laughs> um, what did Lenin say? <laughs> what Lenin said in imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism is, obviously, out of such enormous super profits, since they are obtained over and above the profits which capitalists squeeze out of the workers of their own country, it is possible to bribe the labor leaders and the upper stratum of the labor aristocracy. And that is just what the capitalists of the advanced countries are doing. They are bribing them in a thousand different ways, direct and indirect, overt and covert. This stratum of workers turned bourgeois, or the labor aristocracy, who are quite philistine in their mode of life, in the size of their earnings, and in their entire outlook, is the principal social, not military, prop of the bourgeoisie. For they are the real agents of the bourgeoisie in the working class movement, the labor lieutenants of the capitalist class, capitalist class, real vehicles of reformism and chauvinism. Does this remind you of anyone? Is this making you think of any any groups that exist that we might have just called out like two minutes ago? <laughs> so I can't recall. <laughs> in other words, companies in the developed world exploit workers in the developing world where wages are much lower. The increased profits enable these companies to pay higher wages to their employees at home, that is in the developed world, thus creating a working class satisfied with their standard of living and not inclined to proletarian revolution. It is a form of exporting poverty by creating an exclave of lower social class. Does that remind you of anyone? It reminds me of the poor... (laughs) It reminds me of the poor AI bots that are not getting sucked off. um, True. And so they are all sexually poor. I do think that a lot of the anxiety that the like ruling class has about a sentient AI is like based in their um, anxiety. That's like actualized sometimes of a worker uprising. Um, And I think just like the idea that these things that create the tools and the technology that they use and rely on every day would someday turn against them. And that I feel is, is rooted in a very real thing that should be happening to them more. Yeah. It's not happening to them enough. Not enough billionaires are turning into red mist on the street. Right. I saw people after the Google layoffs, thanking Google for the opportunity. Yeah. Why? Are are so many tech workers you. so housebroken? Thanks. What for is the problem? Free lunch. <laughs> they're they're also just like addicted to being entrepreneurs. Like I feel like no other group of workers is more brainwashed by the idea that they're like temporarily embarrassed millionaires rather than um, current members of the working class. And I I can understand how if you're making really 
outlandish amounts of money that you think that there's a difference between you and the person who's like working at the grocery store. And there is a person who's delivering your free lunch. There's a material difference between you and those people, but you have more in common with them than you ever will with like an Elon or a Peter Thiel. And I think that now is the time for people in the the tech sector to recognize that they are workers and to stop claiming that like a job is a job when they build the technology that like is the same thing that's turned on some of them when they go to protests. Um, and I, I understand it's like very scary to organize um, at your workplace, but it's, it's time to have a little integrity on this uh, different, different subject. This is yeah. more like a, this is a fun bonus for everyone. In the book, The AI Does Not Hate You, I learned that Eliza Yudkowsky is polyamorous. At the time of this book's publishing, which was in 2019, <laughs> he has a wife and two other partners, all of whom are engaged in polyamorous relationships themselves. And so that led me to a very fun little research rabbit hole where I found an Eliezer Yudkowsky blast from the past, which was his OkCupid profile circa 2012. And I think that Greg, <laughs> I think Greg should read this. I think that um, you would do the best, the best job at it. And I think it okay. will also make you the most insane. Okay. So let's begin with Eliezer Yudkowsky's myself summary. Wikipedia says I'm an artificial intelligence researcher. The TV tropes page on me lists me as a science hero. The highest upvoted item on the Eliezer Yudkowsky facts page <laughs> says, if you say Eliezer Yudkowsky's name three times out loud, you'll kill yourself. Um, no, it says, uh, prevents anything magical from happening. Um, if you succeed in purchasing me, I come with an optional bisexual girlfriend named Erin. We're polyamorous and are looking for new friends and dating interests, both singly and as a couple. I love the, the the very bad flex of I'm on Wikipedia and TV tropes and I have my own like website which upvoted I assume that means subreddit so not website subreddit <laughs> like the way that I you would am do known this, on three different if you're like if you're pages actually, on the internet if you're actually like a micro famous public figure the way that you do this is when you have matched with someone and they ask for your social media be like oh, I don't have social media but I can send you my Wikipedia page. That would be kind of cool, mm. but you can't put in your in your thing. You I can't have just a drop fan it all page. at once. This is like this yeah. man has no riz, no riz. <laughs> just dump. Also, a TV tropes page is absolutely not a flex. Do you know the people who run TV tropes pages? They Harry are Potter little goblins. Writers. They are, they're all little goblins who live in LA and are struggling comedians. They're all very, very, or just like, like struggling programmers, let's say. They're, none of them have seen the light of day in years. Oh, oh, I gotcha. (laughs) What I'm doing with my life. In 2000, I co-founded the Singularity Institute, a 501c3 nonprofit devoted to navigating the 
technological creation of smarter-than-human intelligence. Over two years, from 2007 to 2009, I posted one blog post a day to seed the creation of Less Wrong, a group blog devoted to refining the art of human rationality and creating rationalist communities. It currently receives in the range of three-quarters of a million page views per month. I'm presently taking time off working on reflective decision theory to write a nonfiction book, tentative working title, The Science of Changing Your Mind. In my off hours, I'm writing Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, (laughs) which is now up to 5 million hits, has become the third Google result for the keyword rationality, and is the second most reviewed Harry Potter fanfic on the internet. Yes, really. Back when, keeps going. Back when Technorati was still the best way to search blogs, I searched on common misspellings of my name and found that, entirely unknown to me, I had been made the subject of an off-Broadway play called Yudkowsky Returns, The Rise and Fall and Rise Again of Dr. Eliezer Yudkowsky, Furthermore, the actor selected to play my role looked like Tom freaking Cruise. I am not making this up. Looked I like. Happened to, <laughs> I happened to be admitting to doing this much name searching. <laughs> I happened to be in New York City during the annual Union Square pillow fight. So I showed up dual wielding two pillows. What? A short maneuverable <laughs> pillow for blocking incoming blows. And a longer pillow in my right hand for striking. These this is some two improv pillows were shit. respectively inscribed probability theory and decision theory. <laughs> because the list of Eliezer Yudkowsky facts, which I had no hand in composing, <laughs> answered by my t-shirt clearly, um, says that all problems can be solved with probability theory and decision theory. And probability theory and decision theory are the names of my fists. Annual New York City pillow fight. That's what I mean. Some improv everywhere bullshit. That's what that sounds like. One of those flash mob at like. What a fucking dork. I can like hear his pocket protector. (laughs) These are the sentences of someone who is an autodidact and never learned to put a sentence together in school. When a dating website asks you what you're doing with your life. They're just like looking for hobbies. Take the answer, Chief. And like your job. They're just like, all, all he has to say is like, I I run a nonprofit. I, I'm a writer. I'm, I run a nonprofit. I'm a writer. And I, I run a blog, I guess. I like, I don't see any other hobbies in here. Ditch the pillow fight thing. Just <laughs> scrap it. Kenny's so fucking mad right now. <laughs> I just don't, I don't get how you can write a fucking, like, so wait, a, like how you can see a question like, what are your hobbies? And be like, so Nashville's fund to fly Greg out to New York. Fly Greg and Kenny out to New York. And we go to the pillow fight and try to meet the man who's got the names, I will probability theory, and decision <laughs> My pillowcases are going to say D's nuts. <laughs> I'm going to pummel him. I think pummel mine him. will say post and structuralism. <laughs> Ooh, nice one. Thank you. Well, 
don't worry, everybody, because here's what Eliezer's really good at in his I'm really good at section. Explaining oh, Wait, no, 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 you missed, you missed oh, two oh, other miss. paragraphs. Yeah, after his Oh, fist. oh, 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 oh. This very okay Cupid profile has been linked from Marginal Revolution, one of the most popular econ blogs. I swear, I am not making this up. <laughs> I have been accused you of making it up. <laughs> I have been seriously, and not in a joking way, accused of trying to take over the world. Mm. What I'm really good at, mm. but these are Yudkowsky. <laughs> Explaining math, computer programming. Yeah. Finding loopholes in games and real life, making people <laughs> laugh so hard that milk comes out of their nose. They're laughing at me. Um, <laughs> even if they weren't drinking any milk, huge question mark, waiting ages to plot my revenge, solving other people's major life problems, writing fiction with intelligent characters, inspiring enthusiasm about th- science and rationality, and the future of humanity, putting in years of work to make a dream reality and laughing at the grandiose, laughing the grandiose evil laughter of a mad scientist. That was one sentence. That was one sentence with <laughs> six commas in it. I, um, you know, actually, everything he's everything here has been one sentence. He just puts again, a lot of commas. If you, if you go to school and you take a writing class, they will help you. They will help well, you. You know, just, let's. Let's think about the first things people you normally normally notice about Eliezer here. Um, it depends on whether you're a visual or an auditory person. If you're a visual person, you might notice the light fading as I enter the room. If you're more of an auditory person, you'll probably focus on the ominous Latin chanting in the background. Cool. <sighs> oh, oh, this this list of favorite things. Oh, God. Oh. All right, oh, I'm going to read God. you guys a list of favorite things. So, mm-hmm. Eliezer's favorite books, movies, shows, music, and food. Science Fiction and Fantasy, Permutuation City by Greg Egan. Cashiel's Dart by Jacqueline Carey. A Fire Upon the Deep by Werner Vinge. Neverness by David Zendel. Aristoi by Walter John Williams. The Golden Age by John C. Wright. Player of Games by Lane M. Banks. Night's Dawn by Peter Hamilton. The World of Null- Nulla by, Von- by Van Vaught. The Misenchanted Sword by Lawrence Watt Evans. The Warrior's Apprentice by Louis McMaster Buholt. Everything Terry, Pratt- uh, everything Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams ever wrote. Sandman by Neil Gaiman. And Watchmen, Watchmen, and Watchmen, the book. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Um, nonfiction. Godel, Escher, Bach, and Metamagical. Metamagical yeah, Bach's kind of good. Yeah, that's pretty I'll give him that. Um, <laughs> Hofstadter, language, thought, and language and thought and action. Artificial I've intelligence. I've read that one too. Modern approach. Probabilistic reasoning in, tel- in intelligent systems by Chidea Pearl. All right, and now, here we go. <laughs> Movies, they're normal. All right, everybody. Groundhog Day, good movie. Terminator 2, it's the best Terminator movie. Hook? Hook is fun. Hook is fun. Hook? Hook seems a little childish for him, but Hook is fun. The Matrix. And then... and then I love Bicentennial Man. Yeah. <laughs> the Matrix 2008. 
Too bad they never made any sequels. I'm sure he's disappointed. He can't help himself from being so Gen X here. <laughs> TV. All four seasons of Babylon 5 and all three seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, I don't Gen watch X, a lot man. of TV these days. Oh, no. <laughs> Anime. I, I'm yeah. telling you, I fear. I just very quickly looked up all of these. I have no idea what any of these are. This is This has to be Gen X behavior because these all look like they're from like the 90s and like the early 2000s. I don't know. What are the probably. chances of them being like irreparably horny? They probably oh, all are. Most of them. So okay. the four cardinal directions of my personality are Tuya Akira from Hikaru no Go, Yuzhiro from XTV, Dark Schneider from Bastard, and Goo from Jungle Wa Itsumo Hale Nochi Goo. Okay, listeners, if any of you know what, what any of these are, yeah, your pronunciation was pretty good. I would have done not such a great job. Um, if any of our listeners know what any of these are, please, please tell us, because I, I don't want to watch any of these anime. I'm not going to do that. But let me know if he's as much of a freak on a leash as I think he is. <laughs> All right. Video games are boring, <laughs> but we'll do video games and then the music is great. So video games... <laughs> Planetscape Torment. These are old games. Planescape, Portal, yeah. Ancient. It's Sukihime. Uh, Sukihime. Sukihime. Um, and then he he quoted. I'd pick Chell. Uh, Chell. Chell. I think it's Chell. Sukihime is an adult vi- is an anime adult visual novel. So I assume oh, it's that it's one of those visual. Yeah. So I assume that it's a uh, porn. I'm going to assume that. Uh, nobody correct me. It's, I'm it's, not, visual, yeah, it's a visual novel. It's anime. It's porn. Um, <laughs> music. Now, music is where it gets pretty okay. All right? Because this is fun. This is very Gen X of him. Journey. <laughs> Two mix. Depeche Mode. Wumpscut. Summoning is just about the only overlap between my musical taste and my girlfriend's. She considers me a complete barbarian for liking Evanescence, but I'm sorry, I do. I'm a great fan of box music and believe that it's best rendered as techno-electronica with heavy thumping beats, the way Bach intended. Gen X-Man. Gen X-Man. In a different life, he would be running a vintage comic book store. Depeche Mode is good. I like Depeche Mode. I like Evanescence. It's just, I like Evanescence. it's funny. It, this is funny for him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Food. Given the rest of his background. Oh, yes. Perfect. Let's find out what this man's yeah. eating. Yeah, let's figure out what this guy's fucking eating. All right, everybody. Flitting from diet to diet, like a butterfly. <laughs> Searching empirically for something that works. Currently, I'm trying out the paleo-inspired New York less wrong diet, which says that, oh. among other things. That saturated fat is good for you, and sugar, even in the form of fruit, is bad. No fruit? No, no fruit? Hmm. This is very man-behavioured to be like, I'm not going to eat fruit. You? Isn't saturated fat just like potato chips? Butter? Yeah, it's like, like things cooked I'm in not, oil or saturated fat. I don't fats. really like subscribe to the idea that food is categorically good or bad for you, but I feel like if you're going to say something is good for you... Saturated fat is that's Definitely probably not, not it. it. Well, probably like only like eating 
like a majority saturated fat. Also, no fruit. This man is no gonna fruit. have scurvy. No fruit, no <laughs> vitamin C, none of it. Ugh. Not having it. The six things uh, I could never I do the, without. This is a dating profile. I just this thought something really bad, seen. and 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 I'm sorry, but if I was reading a dating profile, I would think this too. And, and you know that his cum tastes disgusting. <laughs> No, it does. I know it smells crazy. No fruit. No fruit. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. Keep going. The six things I could never do without hearing that last statement. Higher purpose. Aaron, the internet, hope, writing fiction, Fan people fiction. who occasionally think of something I didn't think of myself. Okay. Look, maybe I'm maybe I'm kind of a. And maybe I'm kind of an asshole to the polyamory community here, but I think if you, if you're if you're making a dating profile, polyamorous <laughs> or not, and the like, the six things you can't live without is like my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of seems like you're forcing so, it, I feel you know agnostic on polyamory i've in that i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to do it myself but you know if it works for you whatever literally a metaphorically very catholic about it (laughs) (laughs) but i do feel that i couldn't personally get involved because of my causing problems on purpose disorder where if i saw that someone was like i love my girlfriend i love my wife and they invited me into their dynamic. I would be like, I'm, I'm gonna break you guys up for fun. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm here to cause problems. <laughs> I'm gonna be the number one guy. I'm, I want, I want to be the new guy. I'm a five star man. I, I'm, I'm Which gonna is be why on I top. couldn't get involved. I couldn't hold do on, it. Hold I'm, on, everybody, stop. Okay. stop. Yes. Okay, so I'm gonna blow through the next two things to get to the third thing, okay? So the first one is I spend a lot of time thinking about whatever pieces of writing I'm working on. Who fucking cares? On a typical Friday night, I am recovering from a work day. Why couldn't you have asked about Thursday nights or Monday nights? Chances are much higher to be in a hot tub with some friends. Fuck that. Nobody cares. The most private thing I'm willing to admit. My fetishes are orgasm denial, parentheses, of her, tickling, Parentheses, either of her or with me allowed to fight back. And I have a strong sexually sadistic streak. But if I don't believe she's turned on by it, it does nothing for me. I'm not easily offended by questions. I won't answer everything. But you can always ask me anything. I have a question. (laughs) This is not not a no kink shaming pod. I don't believe in that shit. Sometimes the things that you want to do are fucked up. Sometimes they're just weird and they're not fucked up. And that's your business. That's right. But Erica this, Moen, sleep with one eye open, bitch. This, <laughs> this is fucked up. It gets there better some, every time I scroll there down. There is psychology <laughs> taking place here. Okay. All right. Okay. So we're gonna. I'm going to combine the next two so it'll be kind of flowy. So I'm looking for girls who <laughs> like guys aged 20 to 40. Near me for new friends, long-term dating, or short-term dating. You should the message range. me if. You should message me if. As of June 2012, my poly dance card is almost <laughs> is mostly full at the moment. One primary, two other relationships. Message me anyway if you want to be notified when my dance card 
is less full. Ignore my ignore any temptation to passively wait for me to notice you. That rarely works in real life, and never over the internet. I've noticed that a lot of aspiring rationalist females seem very shy and underconfident for one reason or another. So let me state here, you shouldn't worry about disqualifying yourself or thinking that I'm not accessible to you. Don't decide on other people's behalf that they'll say no to you. Just decide whether you'd say yes to yourself. Test experimentally what happens when you try asking directly for what you want. That's empiricism. This advice applies anytime you prefer the state of affairs where you sleep with a guy and not sleeping with him, and also to life in general. If you're a student of transhumanism and rationality, sexually masochistic, and we have any overlap of literary tastes or other interests, then contact me regardless of my full dance card. We may have a chance of building a new primary. What? The new primary ladies replacing Aragon? <laughs> He said not two paragraphs ago he can't live without everyone. I I can't live without my wife. Let me know if you want to destroy my relationship. Oh my god. (laughs) Though I'm also cool with a trophy collection, you can also if you only want to sleep with me once, you can tell your grandchildren. And I let me just start this off by saying for a man who cares only about the empirical and rational sense of the world, his profile is full of a lot of fucking whimsy. There's a lot of whimsy going on in here. Well, you did write Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. Uh, um, rationally, I don't think you could constantly have a chorus of, of Latin chanters behind you at every single moment. He's replacing Aaron. Like, he's he's trying to girls, girls ages 20 to 40. What, what is that if you, No, looking for guys ages 24. No, no, no. Like girls guys. who like guys. Girls who like guys. Yeah. Ages There's 20 to 40. Uh, yeah, you can look him up. Okay, so he's 43 years old now. This was in 2012, so... Yeah, she would have been in his 30s. Just a weird range. I am interested in the tickling. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's gross. And she (laughs) should be killed. (laughs) Here's my thing. I revoke my earlier statement where I was like, maybe I'm being an asshole to the poly community. I'm going to, you know what? Full-fledged. I'm an asshole now. Because, like, fucking, like, at first, I can't live without without my wife. I don't think this guy's representative, uh, to be fair. Like, don't worry. I'm I'm hoping to sabotage my three other relationships. I'm keeping my options open. I'm in in three very serious relationships. Let me know if you want to destroy one or all of them. <laughs> Let I me know if one or all three are cool with you. Is the part where he assumes that the women who want to talk to him are not rationalists, but aspiring rationalists, that tells me a lot about what yeah. he thinks about the women that are in his community. And then he explains to them what empiricism is, which he uses multiple times in his profile when, like, it it's clunky like it's not really the word that fits there and he says that he's like empirically finding a diet for himself you just just say you're trying to find what diet works for you you don't need to say that you're trying to find it out empirically i think we need to have a have a shirt that just says ladies that's empiricism who (laughs) the fuck is sleeping with Lisa yudkowski for like bragging rights, ladies, Caroline, where Allison. are you? That's it. 
<laughs> Where are you? Maybe Grimes. <laughs> I, I also like, I think the other thing is, is knowing that, knowing that this man was a, a uh, figure and a leader of an online community where he was very popular and it was all centered around him and his ideas. And then knowing that he's like open to sleeping with like any number of women from that community. Any woman. <laughs> that does not sound good. No. That sounds like a recipe for some posts that would come out about someone taking advantage of people or uh, the other thing that the rationalist, like less wrong community is referred to often is a cult. I don't know. I feel like to me, this just sounds like a healthy advocate for sexual mutual aid. Um, okay. <laughs> he just sounds so, like every so, predator. He sounds like he's like, he's like, he's seriously like one concussion away from being in mm-hmm. the DSA. Oh. Now I know that I'm I'm the only <laughs> single person on this podcast, but if you if you were single and you saw this profile, what's your next move? <laughs> I can't you believe I'm on lesson? OK Cupid for the reevaluating my position on why I'm on that. It's twenty twelve. It's different. Okay, um, I am I, I'm I'm 16. I'm on OK Today's, today's no, cheese stick no. day at lunch. I don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. If I saw this profile. I'm 11. <laughs> look, you're an adult in the year 2012. I lost my Time job. <laughs> the Great Recession is beating Hello, my Hello. I like still. Nickelodeon coloring. <laughs> and he'd be like, ooh. <laughs> okay. Okay. If I if I did see this profile sincerely, I I think I would I think I would message. I'm so curious. I'm I'm the, the worst part about me is that I'm a I'm a glutton for curiosity. So I just you would love go on to a know, date to the pillow fight. In I'm not gonna New York I'm not City. gonna date. I'm I'm here to just like I I I need to gather fun. evidence because mm. like this is this is a stunning profile. Like this isn't <laughs> oh. just like a guy who's like I. I love biking and adventures or like, I'm just here to fuck. Like this guy really just put so like everything on the table. And I just hours and hours on this. Yeah. And that's not me being like, I want to give him grace or I feel like he deserves my time, but more. I'm just, I'm a, I'm insatiably curious. It's my worst. I would message him and I'd be like, how big is your dick? Because I feel like he would have a really interesting answer. Like he'd he'd come up with an equation. Hmm. Well, if we were to use Bayes' theorem, (laughs) he'd be like relatively in comparison to some things. My dick is very large, but in uh, relation to other things, it is small. (laughs) And I just you just start naming things that are large and small (laughs) and (laughs) see. Yeah. So you're like the hot and cold game until you get near enough. You're like a pickle jar, and he's like relatively small. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're like Um, shot glass, and he's like relatively large. This might be good promo (laughs) for um, the Big Soy Naturals Valentine's Day episode. Our love line is open. Please give us a call. Call the hotline, everybody. Call the hotline. I am going to pull up the number because I don't know what it is. 
Um, and then I will tell you what it is. Okay, it is 609-285-3494. Give us a call and leave a voicemail or send a text. And then we will answer all of your queries about love and relationships so that you never have to write or read a profile like this one. And yeah. with that... Take advice from us, two rationalist thinkers who have never made a mistake in love or life ever. I think that we just got ourselves out of Dumbledore's hole. We did I think it. So. We climbed we're out. We missed Dumbledore's hole now. Only took four parts. <laughs> Give it a little kiss before I went away. Everyone say thank you to Greg from Gorilla Radio Show for being inside thank Dumbledore's you. hole with us for four whole episodes and explaining <laughs> finance and uh, monkeys monkey stuff and knowing what currency is used in other countries and being from Utah and I'm not being from Utah. And you're like in Utah. <laughs> you're in Utah. I'm, I'm, I'm physically Utah. present in it. <laughs> Um, Mentally, and for me, what many people are saying is, is the next uh, Luka Doncic, perhaps, right? Maybe. Because you're well, white. He is, he is Balkan. Mm. And, and we have beef <laughs> right now. <laughs> okay. Maybe you're the next Jack Harlow. Mm-hmm. I could be the next Jack Harlow. <laughs> a bald, lot of people are saying like a bald that Jack is like the white Jack Harlow. I'm going to be the um, next Bruce Willis, everyone. <laughs> I'm like the white Bruce Willis. Can you say? Yeah, can you say I'm like the white Bruce Willis? I'm like the white Bruce Willis, everybody. Hell yeah! Cool. All right, all right. Give Greg a follow at Gorilla Radio Show. Listen to Gorilla Radio Show. It's good. Yeah, Greg. Is there anything else? Anything um, else that's coming? Well, Any we are having a very big special at? guest soon on Gorilla Radio Show. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Um, hmm. Check out, follow me on Twitter, man, um, at G underscore Mateo2. Hit me with that follow. Give me clout. I need clout. Yes. Um, but check out the and, podcast. At Greg, and let Greg know if you enjoy tickling or not. <laughs> Greg, will like not provide uh, <laughs> Greg will not provide that service for you, but. You know, just let him know. I will tally. I will <laughs> keep a tally. Um, so please. It's yeah. good data to have on your followers. Um, I am commodify this everywhere except for Tumblr, where I am commodify me, and you can follow Big Soy Naturals at Big Soy Naturals everywhere. Yes, and I am she Herzog everywhere that matters except for Tumblr, where I am rat poison, and the A is a four, and the second O is a C. Have you noticed that a lot of like trans mask people love rats? Yes, they're all like, I I'm have. a little I rat have. guy. I have. <laughs> they're like, this is my collection of rats, and their name somewhere is like Little Rat Man. Yeah, and so, my name is Rat I'm Poison. Not, so I'm not making any any statements. I'm just pointing something out. Um, we also have a Patreon where bonus episodes come out mostly on a weekly basis. Sometimes they if do not. If you guys don't join the BSN Patreon, I will personally kick you guys' ass. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Pay them money. All right. Everyone, thanks for joining us. Do you want us Greg to kick your ass? Don't answer in that. In Dumbledore's Hole. Until <laughs> next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, the houses are falling down all around me. The houses are coming down all around me. Who will be left when all we have is dust? Get out of school. Get into town. Across the road before you pass that house.
the skitterness The footpath with a crash And no one's gonna do a thing about it So you better watch your back Because the houses are falling down all around me The houses are coming down all around me One too expensive to buy or rent and I left there to rock Unhoused people sleeping in front of homes nobody lives in Cause someone wants to hold the acid somebody else lets them Another house is that 